Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Dwayne. What's up, Sebastian? Big weekend. Big weekend, and we also have a special guest who has not been on the podcast in like... Over a year. Over a year, yeah. Kyle Graves is on the podcast. What's up, Kyle? Hey, fellas. How are you? Figured Good. you got to podcast number 100. You're going to throw it all up the window now. With 101. <laughs> you're 101. <laughs> um. Yeah, so Coach Kyle, Coach Kyle's here. Uh, now I just know you as Coach Kyle because that's what my kids call you. So, uh, so Kyle's here. We're going to talk about the Discovery Program in a minute as that wraps up. Uh, but first, Dwayne, what's going on tomorrow? Uh, we have this big old 3v3 tournament at Odessa High School. Um, we have 80 teams registered across, um, I think, six different divisions. No, actually, it's eight different divisions. Um, so we have 80 teams registered from our recreational program and Kent County's program. Over 150 games are going to be played tomorrow. So very exciting tournament. Always a good time. Um, fast paced, a lot of goals getting scored. Um, a lot of upsets. Last year we had a team of just three players who won the whole tournament. So um, should be exciting. It's always a good way to end the season, even though we have a week after of makeup. Um, so looking forward to it. Yeah, this is going to be good times. I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited just to walk around and not really have any major responsibilities just to be able to see people. You got to wear the Chick-fil-A costume. <laughs> With the, the, the cow? got to wear the cow costume. <laughs> promoting, the, promoting the Chick-fil-A sandwiches. Even though I'm the vegetarian of the group, I got to wear the cow. Got to be the cow. It's the vegan cow. It's the vegan cow. Great. Fantastic. I'm excited for that. Um, and then this past week, we had our first diamonds game, um, which w- was difficult. Um, but but I will say that there was a lot of learning, um, learning opportunities from it. We found success in certain moments. I think just like every, you know, this we're going into our second year and it takes time to build, build the program and takes time to, to start finding that consistency. And we had a lot of turnover, right? We had a lot of we more than half the roster is brand new in comparison to last year. So, you know, it'll it'll come with time as more players are in town, as we get more practices under our belts, like those things will will start to come in. I am proud of the of the group. I'm I think, you know, they they took the the loss with um in good spirits, I think. Yeah. Um, with knowing that there's more to come. Right. Yeah, I think that we we learned a lot about our group, about players, where they should be playing. Um, it's good to see them in a game for, form. Um, and I think that um, another thing is just like you said, like it takes time to build a rhythm, a style for players to come back and understand each other and know how to play with each other. I mean, I used the example. I was like, I don't know what player can run onto a through ball. Yeah. I mean, if you play a player that needs the ball to their feet, through balls the whole game, they're not going to be successful. So I think that's something that players just needed to learn about each other to be able to go out and compete. And I think we'll find success as we continue to develop as a team throughout the season. Yeah. And then I'm I'm with them on Sunday against Lancaster. So we play the Inferno two. So that'll be an interesting game. Again, you know, as 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 I look through our results from last year, <clears throat> in all the majority of our games, we were not far off. No, we were um, extremely competitive. Um, I mean we just, again, it's, it's figuring things out, right? Like Rome wasn't built in a day. Neither one of us played in the UWS. No. Um, 
probably because we're both males. So we couldn't. Um, but just like understanding the league, players understanding the league, players playing against players that play at a higher level in soccer than they do. Um, yeah, played know, more time, more time, more minutes, different experiences. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's part of it. Yeah. So, no, ultimately, all, all good lessons to learn. And as we told them at the end of the game, it's all about individual player development, right? Everyone has a different goal <clears throat> that they're trying to achieve um, over the summer. And this is just a good way for us to help them get there, right? We're not trying to, I mean, yeah, it's great to win and we want to win as many games as possible, but there is no like magical trophy at the end of the tunnel that we want to put in some sort of trophy case. We just, we just want to make sure we're competitive, right? We want to just be able to showcase our players. Um, clearly, Carly has a problem with that. Um, so, all right. Uh, Kyle, let's talk about the discovery program because that wraps up this weekend as well. How has the program gone so far this uh, spring? Yeah, so, um, you know, similar to past seasons, um, you know, just the excitement of, of the, our youngest players is, is, is amazing to watch and kind of their development. Um, you know, we've had enough seasons under our belt now that, you know, there's a lot of familiar faces. You're starting to see some of that growth. Um, but, you know, at the beginning of the program, it's just all excitement and chaos and, um, you know, laughs and fun. And it's still all that. Um, but you are starting to see some players that are going into their third or fourth season, um, you know, really starting to key in and pick things up, um, you know, really starting to see some of them develop and prepare for, um, you know, their next chapter of, you know, maybe starting to play in a more formalized environment. Um, weather, just like everything this spring has been a challenge, I think for all spring sports. So we've got our makeup week, uh, was this week. Um, we have our final session tomorrow, um, which will be interesting because it's at the same location and kind of the same time as our three V three tournament. Um, so we're working through that. Um, but luckily we have kind of our space designated and we're also going to be welcoming our players from last night. Um, which we had to cancel due to another uh, weather uh, incident. So, um, but I'm excited. I think, um, I think the program has grown just like the kids have grown. Um, we spent last week kind of doing many scrimmages with our uh, three and four year olds. Um, and it was just super exciting to see. I know, uh, you know, Lila was out there and, you know, doing her thing. And it's, it is exciting to see them take some of these individual um, skills that we've learned and kind of put it together a little bit. And, the, you know, I, I have a little public service announcement before the scrimmage telling the parents, Hey, we're going to try to play a, as close to real soccer game as, as we can. And um, it's probably not going to go very well. <laughs> um, you know, that's kind of the joke. Um, but then it does. Um, and it's uh you know, it's exciting to see the players, you know, enjoying the game, you know, as it was intended. Um, but it's all building up to that, right? Like it's all building up to this moment that the players are confident enough in what they're doing um, to go out there and, and, and to play soccer. Um, so I think it's been another great season. Um, we had a lot of new coaches this year that did an outstanding job. Um, some players from the University of Wilmington, you know, some of our coaches on staff on the girls side. Um, some of our 
young coaches in training have really stepped up, you know, uh, players that have been with us for, you know, a couple seasons now assisting, you know, taking larger roles, um, on the coaching side of things. So, um, it's, uh, you know, I think the coaches have developed just as much as the players. So that's, you know, it's, it's been another great season, you know, minus the, uh, inconsistent weather. Can you talk about the, the, um, the younger coaches? I think that that was, that's always been a big standout for me for the program, just with everything that we do, you know, how can we continue to expand our pathway for in other directions, right? So how can we, um, how can we merge or how can we like make certain things collide a little bit more or integrate a little bit more? And, and the fact that we have players that are coming back as coaches is fantastic. And I love that. And we've been doing that across multiple age groups throughout the last couple of years. But can you talk about what, what's the, what's the rewarding part from a coaching perspective, right? For you as the head coach to see them, being able to like make some of those coaching points to those kids. And have you seen a correlation with some of them as you've seen them as players? Has, has that, has they, has that made a change or made an impact of them as players as well? Yeah. So, um, you know, we've talked about this early in the program that we wanted some of our, um, you know, some of our representative players, you know, involved in the program. So um, I think you and I had ideas of what we hoped it would be, but instead of, um, you know, forcing things. I think we kind of allowed things to happen organically, you know, letting players at first kind of just see what the discovery program was, be around it a little bit, you know, help as they felt comfortable and where they could. And then, you know, obviously for some, for some players, um, it, you know, it, they took, you know, really, a, a front seat, uh, role in it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see that some of their transition from just volunteer helpers, you know, getting balls out of a bag or getting, um, you know, goals set to gaining the confidence to start to make coaching points or start to interact with the kids a little bit more, um, really understanding what we're trying to get out of the players all the way to this season, you know, leading sessions, um, into your point um, of, of what I see out of them as players, as it um, translates back to them when they go to their own training sessions, I think the biggest thing I've noticed is how they key into like, maybe when we're talking at practice about, you know, what our goals for the day are or what, you know, what we hope to get out of the session, it now connects with them because with discovery, what we do for the first 10 minutes before we start a session is talk about what the plan is and how the activities connect with our learning outcomes for the session and things like that. So now I think they, when they go to their own training sessions, they approach it a little bit differently. I think when they hear us saying like, this is what we're trying to accomplish today, they now see that there was a foundation and a plan laid out before the players arrived. Um, so I, I think they have a new perspective. Um, you know, I know for a lot of players, sometimes it feels like we just show up to practice and we try an activity and then we move on to the next one with, you know, maybe no rhyme or reason. But for the players that have had the opportunity now to even lead their own sessions um, and I think adaptability too, right? Like there have been times where, uh, you know, Gracie or Delaney or Kate, you know, they, we've, they've started a session and, um, you know, for whatever reason, an activity 
you know, isn't going how they were hoping and then their ability to adapt and respond to the player's needs, they may now see that when they're in their own sessions. Um, so I think it's not only made them, you know, had a huge impact on their, you know, desire to give back to the game, but probably as players, um, you know, approaching their own training sessions differently or viewing them differently, you know, based on their experiences. So um, I think it's been the growth specifically this spring season in the young players, um, you know, confidence to go out there and coach has been extraordinary Um, to the point where they're running sessions now. Um, You know, they're 13 year old, young women running soccer sessions, you know, as, as lead coaches, which is pretty extraordinary. Well, and I can tell you as a parent in the program, um, and I, I'm probably as hands off as, as I, as, as a parent could be uh, to the point where like, I've seen maybe two of the sessions that my kids, right. have um, but, but as, it, but from what my wife says, um, or from what, even from what, what my kid says, right? Like her, how much she appreciates the coaches and how much she connects with them. I think it's an important thing because, you know, when you ask them, you know, it's funny, you know, I've, we've asked them, we've asked them before, like, who's your favorite soccer player when we're at home or something like that. And they're like, coach Delaney, right? Like, yeah, because they, because now they also have the opportunity to say like, Oh, as they're leaving or so as something happens, Oh, coach Delaney's playing or, you know, or coach Gracie's playing or coach Kate, coach, whoever, you know, there's, there's a level of that in which now it creates a role model for my daughter, right? right? That she can look up to and she can see, oh, well, you know, she can go play this because this player played. And I know I can do that as well, right? So there's a level of that, which I think is is invaluable. Um, and I think the other part of it is that, I, that I've, I've appreciated about the program and it's, it's made me um, see things in a different perspective as well is also the importance of structure from a, from a younger player's perspective, right? So when we talk about three and six-year-olds and developmentally what they can handle and what they can do, it's less about it looking like, you know, them trying to juggle or doing things that they're cognitively not able to do, but more about building a structure, right? So the way that the sessions are laid out, there's building blocks to everything and it builds to something bigger. And the true test of me of, for that to be like sticky is for my kid to tell me what what she did, right? right. Like, or randomly at home, going like, "Here's what we're doing," and she she pretends to be the coach with with Ethan, who probably didn't really pay attention <laughs> to a whole lot, but but did enough, right? He he paid attention enough that he can he might have not actually did things as much this season, but he listened because he remembered right. a lot of the coaching points and the instructions. He didn't do them, but right. he remembers them, right? Um, or the little things of like making ice cream cones, right? So, and even the setup of, of breaking that down and what that looks like and why that's important and the motor skills that are developed for that. My daughter can tell you how to make an ice cream cone with a ball and a cone right. and tells you every step on how to get to that point because she's not allowed to use her hands. So she got to dribble the ball. She's got to pick up the cone. She's got to do all these things, but she can recite every single step along the way, right, which I think right. is, yeah. which I think is fantastic. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think that's been one of the progressions of the program is just, you know, I think the parents now have a, a good understanding of, of what the program is and, and why we do it. And I do spend a little bit of time sometimes when we're starting something, 
that I think is important as far as the why, you know, making sure the parents know. So in week one, I tell the parents why the fields are, you know, labeled the way that they are. And, and the fact that, you know, our three goals by the end of the program are that kids understand that soccer has boundaries. It's a directional game and there's an opponent, right? So those are your three learning outcomes at the end. But the, I think the biggest change that we've made for this season is maybe advancing our oldest group a little bit more. Um, so really differentiating the instruction that they're getting because we've had players in the program long enough um, that if you come out and watch our six-year-olds, um, they're ready to play soccer. Um, and that's that's the ultimate goal, right? Um, they're, they're ready to, to start really understanding the game. And, um, you know, my goal is that they still remain focused on playing soccer because it's fun and, you know, they don't get into, you know, the wins and loss. That is one thing that's been interesting is at, I can tell you with our oldest groups at the end of every scrimmage, you know, they're asking questions about how many goals did this team score? How many did we have who won the game and trying to get them to understand both teams did great. You know, that's it. Um, so, you know, I think that's another piece to it is just discovery does offer us the opportunity to let them play soccer with zero expectation of competition and results, right? It, it is as grassroots developmental as you can get. And if they even keep 5% of that as they carry on through their journey, you know, hopefully that has an impact. Yeah, um, that's huge. All right. Awesome. Well, let's, uh, let's move on. Um, to some soccer topics around the world. Uh, we discussed, we, we briefly discussed the fact that the Champions League was going on last week. Um, and it did go on. Um, I got to watch it in the middle of a field. <laughs> uh, so I did watch the goal and I watched Real Madrid win their fifth Champions League in the last 10 years, which is incredible for a club to do that. I think... Um, and, and, and you know, Klopp, I think, has gone down and, and gone and said, like, you know, if you're player, if you're the player of the match is your goalkeeper and there's something wrong. And I'm like, well, I mean, that's how that's how Real Madrid took down every single um, team that they've played against. Right. Like they haven't been the most dominant team. They've just been really effective going forward. It, it's- Benzema has been balling all year. I mean, Vinicius Jr. took one shot on goal the entire game. And it was a game winner. That's all you need, right? Like you, you only, all you have to do is to score one, one goal. goal. All you got to do is score one more goal on the opponent, and you win a game, right? Like, um, so it was, a, this, it was definitely interesting. I think, um, they've proven that without maybe the flashiness of a like the having that many stars or that many like they have the stars, but you know, there's there's a balance there, um. They've Some of their stars that. are getting older. Some of their stars didn't even play. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Marcelo, Marcelo, like, yeah. Marcelo Hazard, Bale, uh, Marcus Asensio, all on the bench, didn't even play. Isco on the bench. Well, they're just paying guys just to sit on the bench that are big money guys. <laughs> yeah. But, and, and maybe, but, and that's the thing. And that's a hard part from our standpoint that we don't see the contribution that those players have. But, I do know that, you know, from watching a lot of Argentinian soccer, when when a new player comes back from playing overseas or whatever it is and uh, or playing in Europe or and they're the older player and the and they maybe don't play a lot, the what they do is they give back or 
they provide a lot of value at training or off training. So that is that experience is important, right? So a player like Gareth Bale, who is involved in the day-to-day or Marcelo or um, Hazard, all involved in the day-to-day is important, even if they might not play. I heard Gareth Bale been out hitting golf balls, man. I don't know if he's been been at training. I heard he's been out golfing. Gareth Bale might be be a little bit of a different story, but the rest I'm hoping, especially Marcelo, I think. Um, Yeah, Marcelo definitely, but yeah. (laughs) Gareth Bale's on his way out. He's trying to. um, Yeah, that's what we talk about with the locker room guys, though, right? Like, you know, what, what do you bring to the locker room? Um, and, and that's what gets lost. I mean, you're playing in these games, 90 minutes, right? It's 90 minutes out of how much time are these guys spending together? So in reality, you know, what is more important, you know, the 11 guys on the field are obviously important, but what's happening, you know, in the preparation for that, um, you know, that's what gets lost a little bit. Um, and it's at every level. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 100%. Team dynamic and team chemistry is extremely important. I'll I'll do that with a little bit of an extra asterisk to it. As players get older, the mm-hmm. older you get, the more important it is. At the younger levels, just go out and play. Like yeah. turnovers there, like that. Just go out and play. Like don't try to tell me there's team chemistry. Like there is, but it, it you're you're to a certain extent. To a certain like extent, players you're don't able understand. to adjust a lot quicker. Players don't understand their roles and their roles they bring to the team at certain ages as they get well, because older. I think I don't think cognitively you realize that like it's the same reason why at what point do you start having um like this idea of like lifelong friends to a certain extent, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, obviously there's there might be people that you've met since elementary school or this and that, but like in your formative years, right? And as you start developing, as you hit that 14, 15, 16, that's when you start developing these longer friendships that are a little more meaningful at times, right? Because it's less about the, um, like what we do together and as to more of like why we do it, right? Like mm. why are we friends and things like that? And I think, I think that times that, that times gets missed, especially from a family and parent perspective. At times we talk about team chemistry and like, well, 10 years old, it doesn't, it's not as important. It's important, but not as important. Right. As some of the other things. Your friends when you're 10 years old are the kids that live the closest to you, to be honest with you. Or the kids that are in your class. Look at it that way. Your closest friends usually each year are whoever kids are in your elementary class. Yeah, because there's no closer to the next friend. Because because, you're not, yeah, because there is no like um intentional effort to try to see each other, right? It just happens naturally. It's whoever you naturally can see the most amount of time. Most consistently. Yeah. 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 But if you take a player, I mean, take like, you know, you also have to earn that when we talk about the guys in their older years, like you have to earn, I mean, why does every club that Ibrahimovic goes to, like, why does he take on that role? Like with what he did with, like it's earned, right? Yeah. You can't, you can't do that at 20 years old, you know, flip tables and, (laughs) you know, tell people I did this for you. Right. No, exactly. Yeah. You can't really do that. Um, no, for sure. So it's, 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 it's very, it, it is a true testament to, I think the idea of team chemistry and, and how a process goes for a long time. Again, Gareth Bale is going to be leaving Real Madrid this summer with five champions league. And his golf clubs. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he brings to the locker room is golf clubs. <laughs> it's golf clubs. Hey, people need to golf, man. Um, all right. And then on Wednesday we had uh, la finalissima. Uh, okay. Italy against Argentina. That was the name of it. 
FIFA, like, don't don't try to tell me, Dwayne, don't try to tell me that this didn't mean anything because FIFA, FIFA, it was a FIFA organized event. <laughs> corruption. Cor- not corruption. FIFA organized event, man. Uh, FIFA the got, winner, the, got some good money out of this one. The winner, we're trying to get some God soccer points, man. Uh, the winner <laughs> of uh, the winner of the Euros, which is Italy, and the winner of the Copa America, which is Argentina, and Argentina putting in a dominant absolutely dominant uh showing against italy the second half might have been one of the better second halves i've seen argentina play in a long time um, you're here first argentina's winning the world cup no 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 nope nope i did not say dominant. that those words those words did not come out of my mouth those words are not being said but what i will say is that there's a level of confidence that argentina is getting to which is very important as you're leading up to the world cup and um, more importantly, with this idea of chemistry, the confidence that's going on with any player that comes on is extremely important. Um, and I think from a bonding perspective, the, the players are there. I heard that um, for the World Cup, because they're having a really hard time finding housing for their families, um, all the players are going to come together and rent a cruise and just park the cruise <laughs> like a cruise ship. <laughs> Yeah, that's what the USA men's basketball d- team did in uh, Brazil. They rented a cruise ship? They rented a cruise ship and just kept it there because they had that Zika virus or whatever going on. So they just yeah. hung out on a cruise ship. So, yeah, so Argent- the Argentinian family members are going to just rent a cruise ship and park it. That, I I mean, that seems like a great idea. Seems, it seems like a great cruise over there. I mean, look control. at it, right? Think about it, right? In the cruise ship, you got activities for families and kids, right? Um. In general, in Qatar, the, the max you have to travel, the longest distance between two stadiums is two hours. Like, not really that far, right? So it's not like you have, like, these long trips. That, yeah, things, right? It's not a massive trip. Um, in the cruise, you got food. Mm-hmm. Um, in a place where all the players in Nauftic can all meet with their families together in the same place, right? And you keep everybody close. Yeah. Go to the casino. My wife was telling me, like, how are they going to split it? I was like, how are they going to split it? Messi might just buy it and then just yeah. return it afterwards. <laughs> or everybody Venmo, everybody Venmo Messi. Everybody <laughs> Venmo Messi. There you go. <laughs> I think Messi's got Venmo. You got Cash App. You think Messi? You think Messi's got Venmo? He's got El Venmo. <laughs> but what? What would? What would he need Venmo for? Dude, I got all this money, but I still. It's the principal. You still got to pay me back. <laughs> because then every back. time every time we back. go somewhere every time we go somewhere right, maria has got to hit him back yeah every time we go out to dinner right you just keep going up the price line now you're ordering more expensive steaks than i'm ordering so di maria di, they, he goes out to dinner with di maria and messi picks up the tab di maria's got a got venmo me man got a venmo with some euros over <laughs> <laughs> that it's, the principle. it's the principle of it yeah there you go fair enough fair enough um so yeah, so Argentina wins. Um, so good, it was a good, good showing for them. Um, play Estonia on uh, on on Sunday now. Pick out Estonia on a map. Yeah, it's a, it's there, there in Europe. It's somewhere over there. It's it's in Europe. Um, the other another news though. Uh, so the we'll talk about the men's national team in a second for the U.S. But they're playing Uruguay uh, on Sunday as well. 
Uh, Uruguay just beat Mexico yesterday, three nothing. So, tres a cero. Yeah, big, big, <laughs> big win for Uruguay. Big loss for Mexico. Um, heading into the World Cup. So, all right, U.S. Men's National Team. Uh, Dwayne and I did not watch the game because uh, we were coaching. Uh, Kyle, did you watch the game? I did. I watched uh, about 70% of it. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of good moments. Um, you know, probably my highlight was, uh, you know, Pelusic earning, uh, you know, the penalty and then giving it to Haji. Um, again, going back to this idea of, you know, becoming a leader on a team and what it meant. Um, if, if you didn't have the background, they played youth national team together, you know, we're pretty close. So, you know, the fact, and it was just the interesting moment standing over the PK and you, you know, he's not going to take it, you know, but who is, so he's taking all the, you know, all the flack and then, you know, hands the ball off to Haji, which was, you know, in my opinion, just a, a really cool moment, um, you know, to be able to do that. Um, you know, I thought they looked, you know, I thought they looked really dynamic in moments. I think there's, they're figuring things out. Um, I think there's still some question marks they need to address that, um, you know, obviously losing my boy, Miles Robinson. <laughs> um, you know, I think they've got some depth there, but, um, you know, I think the concern for me is the same questions they had, you know, a couple months ago are still there. Like, who's your nine? Um, you know, how are you going to fill that role? Um, you're overloaded with midfielders. So how do you get all of your best midfielders on the field at the same time? What does that look like? So, you know, this is that one part of coaching that, you know, everybody's an expert when you're on the sidelines, you know, what the lineup would be and things like that. But I do think there's, I think it's a good problem to have, um, you know, with the players they have available to them, but there's still a lot of question marks. What does Raina look like? You know, if he can make it back and, you know, how do you get, all those guys on the field in the right roles and, you know, still, what are they going to do with the nine? <laughs> yeah. Well, I um, think you said it, all those guys got to get on the field. Somebody's got to play the nine. Right. No, and that, that's it. And I know the one thing that they were talking about during the broadcast was, you know, do you put Tim Weah there with how well he's been playing? Um, the answer is probably yes and no, right? Yes, because yes, he's been playing well and he can do it. But then the counter argument to that is, but is he playing so well because he's in the right role? And if you change the role, does that impact how he plays? So um, I think he can do it. I th I'd love to see him there. But yes. um, there. but know who you put there. If, if you're going to do it, you better start sorting it out now, right? Like if, if you think that's a possible solution, let's get him there and see what he does. Um, who are you trying to put in there? Pulisic. You trying to put Pulisic in there, Dwayne? As a nine? I mean... Mm. The question is, so who did who did Weston McKinney go in for? I did not. <laughs> yeah, but but did he go in for Tyler Adams? I don't I don't remember who he went. I in. I didn't see that substitution. Um, um, hold on, let's see. I can tell you. Yeah, he went in for Brendan Aronson. He went in for Brendan Aronson, right? So ultimately, that'll also be an interesting dynamic of like when Weston McKinney's back. Who does Weston McKinney fit in in this middle of the field with, right? So you played with Brendan Aronson, Tyler Adams, and Eunice Musa. Mm -hmm. Who does he plug in for? Is it is it for Brandon Aronson or is it for Eunice Musa or Tyler Adams? Uh, Brandon Aronson starts. So yeah, then, I mean, I think you so put. Then, I think so then, if you. So then, are you taking out Jesus Ferreira and playing with a diamond in the middle of the field? I'm taking out Jesus Ferreira and putting Pulisic there, and on the wing, I put probably Brandon Aronson and maybe Gio Reyna. 
And then are you taking out Tim Weah? No, Tim, Tim Weah's on the other side. We can't play with 13, man, or 12. Weston McKinney, Weston McKinney comes into the middle. Yeah. Jesus Ferrer goes off to the bench. Yeah. Pulisic slides over. Yeah. And I put either Brendan Aronson or Gio Reyna. Oh, on or either one of them, not both. Yeah, either one of them. Oh, oh okay. I got you. All right. All right. That makes a little more sense. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that could that could be that could be a way to do it. Um I think the back line still is still gonna try to it's gonna be the hardest part because there's, there's a lot of moving pieces in the back line constantly. There's I feel like that's a like plug and play situation where it's just constantly trying to figure out which which four is the right four that you have. I think your goalkeeper situation is still gonna be up in the air. I think there's a lot of competition there. So right, that'll be yeah. interesting. So I'm I, I mean, again, listen, I think the the game against Uruguay is gonna be a good test. For the U.S., I think anytime the U.S. plays South American competition, it's good because it's more physical. Um, it's faster. Yeah, I think that's going to be the better indication. Um, yeah, you know, is, is the Uruguay and you're playing game. you're you're playing you're playing a Uruguay team that is going to the World Cup that will <clears throat> that'll potentially make a a run or will try to make a run into the into the World Cup. Mostly because it's for a lot of these players on the Uruguay national team, are, this is going to be the last the last go around, right? Like Suarez, Cavani, this is this is the last go around for it. So it'll definitely be be an interesting um, dynamic. Cavani's coming off of scoring two goals against Mexico, um, so definitely. Well, actually, I don't think yeah, Suarez is, is Suarez. Suarez isn't even in. I don't think so. The, <laughs> Like, he rest, man. He put he put Atletico on his back this season. Yeah, when he's <laughs> he left Atletico, though, so. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it, it's a solid, it's a solid, um, it's a solid team, which is good. Who knows, man? Maybe Malik comes in and gets some does some things. Didn't didn't he didn't he play? He played Malik. Yeah, Malik. We um, had Dwight and I had an entire. How do they? You were watching the game. Did you watch it when Tillman came in, uh, uh, Kyle? No, no, I was. I I watched the beginning half. Oh, okay. For an uh, American, you, it's Malik. We were trying to. <laughs> we, Dwayne, Dwayne and I had a long, very long discussion in the car ride, trying to figure out if it was Malik or Malik <laughs> Tillman. We had a very. Yeah, long I, don't, I, I don't recall on the broadcast how they had a very long discussion. Like if he's American, it's got to be Malik. But I, but he's not right. He's he's German. It's Malik, German yeah. American. Yeah. We have to go to the pronunciation guide on that one. It's, it's, <laughs> it's I I read it. It was Malik. Um, all right. So one other thing that I wanted to talk about today, uh, which I found this really interesting. So I was watching some highlights of some of the uh, UFI Nations League. Iceland played Israel. Um and uh, Israel uh, tied the game in the last couple of minutes. Uh, the game, the the tying goal was scored by Mahmoud Jaber, um, and they were um, and he plays for Maccabi Haifa in in Israel. Um, the interesting thing, and and this kind of sparked a whole like uh, thought in my head, and I went down a rabbit hole of it. But um, so he plays for Israel. His brother Abdallah Jaber uh, plays for Palestine. And is like one of like Palestine's like biggest like international like or 
national team, like stars. Um, so it's two brothers that played in different countries that represent different countries from a national team perspective. So I would try to go, I was like, all right, well, there's been some of that. So like, let me look up how many were there and how, who, some of the famous, more famous ones. So I wanted to see if the two of you um, off the top of your heads, remember. Um, so be, while, as you're thinking of brothers that played for different or opposing national teams, I'm going to give you the first brothers in. Um, I got three. Hold on. Top of my head. All right. So first brothers that record like, were recorded as two brothers that played for different countries. And again, back in the beginnings of, uh, of, of world football, you could play for multiple countries. Um, it wasn't until later on that you couldn't, but so anyway, so the first two brothers that recorded um, to play for different countries was the Goodall brothers, uh, John and Archie. Uh, so John played for England in art because he was born in England, but Archie was born in Ireland. So he played for Ireland. Interesting. Hmm. So those were the two our first two brothers. So, uh, Duane, who do you have as the two or or a pair of or a set of brothers that that I think the most like known ones are the Belatang, Kevin and uh, Jerome. One yep. was Kevin was Ghana and Jerome was Germany. That's right. Yeah. Then I've got um, and you you know they actually played. They're the first. They have an interesting fact to them. They're the they first brothers to play each other in a World Cup. Yeah, yeah. Then so. you got right now the Roldan brothers. You've got Christian Roldan and his brother. He plays for the U.S. and his brother. I want to say his name's like Alex. Plays for like El Salvador or Guatemala. One of those two. Okay, I didn't have those downs, but maybe. Yeah, let me let me get the marker. Where he's in El Salvador or Guatemala? One of those two. Um, Alex. Alex plays for El Salvador. Yeah. Boom. Jeopardy. There you go. And yeah. the last one I've got is Rafinha and Tiago yep. that plays for uh, Liverpool. Yep. So, so Rafinha, one plays, one plays for Spain and one plays for Brazil. Yeah. Right? So Rafinha, Rafinha plays for it's interesting because of how you know them, right? So uh, Rafinha. <laughs> yeah. But Rafinha, you don't really know Rafinha as his last name. But Tiago, Tiago Alcantara, you know by his last name. Yeah. Um, mostly because in Spain, in the, I think his last name is on his jersey, where in Brazil it's just Rafinha. And there's like uh, a thousand Rafinhas. Yeah, there's all yeah, that's also true. Um, so yeah, so um uh Tiago Alcantara, um he he went to Spain when he was five years old. Um and then Rafinha's decided that he was going to play for Brazil because his dad had played for Brazil as well. And he had played in a world cup as well. I think for Brazil. Rafinha senior. Rafinha. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, uh, Kyle, do you know of any others? So I, the Boatangs was obviously the first one into my head. Um, yeah. So I had to quickly jump. Oh, don't try well. to jail. Don't oh, cheat. Don't try to cheat. No, so because uh, I wanted to, I wanted to confirm one that I thought okay um, was Pogba. Yes. So that's I thought they I didn't know if uh, if his brother had ever played for the national team. I knew that they you know were he was looking to. So that was the one I wanted to confirm. But the Boatangs was my first one. 
Um, and then I wanted to confirm the Pogba brothers. Well, so Pogba, there's three of them actually. Right. So, uh, so Paul Pogba has twin brothers, Florentine and Matias, who represent Guinea or Guinea. Right. For so yeah, um, which is interesting because they actually they're older. Um, so they played they played earlier than or they they start they, they yeah they started earlier. Uh, I got two more. I got a couple more for you though. Um, uh, the Shaka brothers. Hmm. Granite Shaka, Shaka. Granite Shaka, and Talant Shaka. So, Granite Shaka is uh, from Albania, um, and then uh, he originally wanted to play for Alba- for Albania, but Alba- the Albanian national team didn't call him, and Switzerland mm. called them. So he jumped in and played for Switzerland. His brother um, played for the Switzerland national team at the U seventeen and the U twenty one levels. But Granit told them to go play um, for Albania in the national team. Interesting. You go yeah. play for Albania. <laughs> yeah. Don't try. Yeah. Yeah. from one Shaka. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the other one is um, uh, the other ones that I wanted to point out, which I think you guys will know, is the Funes Mori's brothers. Hmm. So one of them. So, um, Ramiro Funes Mori, the center back or center mid, used to play for Argentina, uh, played in the 20, um, no, he did not play in the, he didn't play in the world cup, but he did play in the Copa America that was in the U S. Um, so he's a center back. Rogelio Funes Mori has been made a career of playing in Mexico. Um, and was called up to the Mexico national team. That's currently on the Mexico national team. Hmm. Now, Ramiro doesn't play on the national team anymore, but um, those two were interesting two countries. Well, because this one was interesting because um, the reason why that worked out was because Rogelio was naturalized as a Mexican national. He has no ties to Mexico whatsoever outside of the fact that he's lived there for so long. Okay. So they were able to naturalize him, make him a Mexican citizen. And then it, because he hadn't played for the Argentina national team, they were allowed him to, to do that. Knew that there had to be an Argentinian. Had to be, there had to be an Argentinian. <laughs> had to be one. Had to be one. <laughs> um, there is a U.S. one. I got two, two more. Two more. Uh, all right. The uh, Weggerly brothers, Roy Weggerly and Steve Weggerly. Um, Roy was in the 94-98 World Cup squad for the U.S. Hmm. While um, his brother played for South Africa. Whoa. Hmm. <laughs> That's, like most of these are like, you know, countries that are like right next to right. each other. They I was thinking Canada. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, this one was definitely an interest, a different one. Um, but they were actually... Um, so they were born in South Africa. Both of them were. Steve actually played for the Tampa Bay Rowdies back in the day. Tampa Bay Rowdies. You know Four Lauderdale Strikers, uh, New York Cosmos. Yeah, big time. You know who else just played for the Tampa Bay Rowdies? Who? They just had a birthday this week. Who? Freddie Adu. Freddie Adu. <laughs> All right. And then the last one. This one was super interesting. 
Uh, the Cahill brothers. Oh, Tim Cahill um, started yeah. out actually playing for the Samoa, <laughs> like on their 17 teams. <laughs> and then because in 2003, when FIFA altered its um, uh, eligibility regulations, he actually had the ability to play for three different, for four different countries. He could play for England, Ireland, Australia, or Samoa. And obviously, he chose wow. Australia. Um, but his brother Chris uh, plays for um, Samoa. Samoa, man. Yeah. That's it. Well, my That's oldest it. brother was actually born in Guam during my dad's first tour there, so I'm wondering. They've got, I follow them now. I might be able, we might be able to be the next. <laughs> there you go. Hey, take Dan Simmons with you. There you go. I know. Dan Simmons is born in Guam. There you go. You got two Guam national teams. I know. We're going to double the size of the pool. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Now, well, at least, hey, listen, if at any point you need to, you need to, you know, get your girls in a, in a national team at a different level, that's also an option. That's why I, I told. That's what I told my wife. We're if we need to at any given point for my daughter, if it, you know the U.S. Women's National Team, if she decides to play or do soccer, and the U.S. Women's National Team is out of reach, there's always the Argentinian Women's National Team. <laughs> exactly. Little step, little step below it, so it might be able to okay. get in. Yeah. For my son, it'd be the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> you better be married. You better go find somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, soccer Dan and I are planning a trip to Guam. We'll check out the. There you uh, go. Dig down those roots for your son, man. <laughs> <laughs> you got the uh, Puerto yeah. Rican in you. you got Puerto Rico? <laughs> no, no Puerto Rican in me. Uh, got Spain and Russian, so probably not good either way on those. Barbados, you got something. You got Barbados. Barbados. Saint Lucia. Yeah, uh, I, Dwayne. I was just about to say that I had three former youth saint. Uh, St. Kitts and Navis national team players. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Let's go. Um, so St. Kitts and Navis might be an option. Um, all right. Player of the match. Uh, Dwayne, you want to go first? Yeah, I'm going to give my uh, player of the match out to, um, let me see. Give it to Vinny. Scoring that game winning goal. Vinny Jr. Yeah. He's out next, you know, pegged as the next Neymar. Probably hasn't lived up to the expectations that people think. But I think it's, you know, every every star is not the same. Every star doesn't have the same pathway. I think he's rising to stardom for Real Madrid. You know, they didn't get Mbappe, but they'll be all right with Vinny Jr. and Benzema as long as Benzema keeps scoring goals. There you go. Um, my player of the match uh, is going to go out to Messi. Because what he did on on Wednesday was it was it was almost like going back in the time machine. Because he had speed, he had grit, he was slide tackling, he was he was doing all kinds of things. <laughs> that was that was fantastic. I, I love it. Taking it back old school. The only thing he can do was score a goal. He had everything else though. Um, Kyle, you got a player of the match. Yeah, I mentioned him earlier, but now for different reasons. So mine goes to Pelusic, um, both for. Um, I don't know if you saw the assist that he had um, on the opening goal, but just the quality that he brought, you know, there and through the entire time played. And then obviously his gesture, you know, at the end, I think, you know, with what he's been going through with Chelsea, like it's hard, you know, to kind of transition back and forth from feeling 
maybe unwanted at times. And then, you know, coming back and, and joining the national team. But when we go into culture and things like that, I think he's a big guy in that locker room. That's got to, you know, have confidence in his head on. Right. And I think that, uh, you know, the last game for him, hopefully brought him some of that. Um, he played well throughout, but, um, you know, just the, the skill that he showed on the opening goal. Um, and then the class that he showed on, you know, the penalty was just, you know, I thought it was great. Awesome. Um, all right. On this day in soccer history. Um, so June 3rd, um, 2017, this time of the year, you know, what's, what's, what's around this time of the year doing confederations cup. What? No, my confederations cup. 2017 last confederations cup. Oh, the champions league. That's right. Champions League. So um, the in the um, new format of the Champions League uh, in 2017, uh, Real Madrid uh, was able to win. Um, so uh, they, they won the Champions League, uh, which the Champions League has not really been around technically as known as the Champions League. It was like the UEFA Cup or something, right? Yeah, it was the UEFA Cup. So from a Champions League perspective, like actually called the Champions League, um, Real Madrid was the only team to ever win it back-to-back. Now, when it was called something else, they won five in a row back in the 50s going into the 60s. Um, Same thing with with Bayern Munich in the 70s. But the the new like Champions League format, um, nobody had done it until in 2017. Real Madrid won it for back-to-back years and that was on june 3rd uh 2017 now in that specific one they ended up winning three in a row because then they won the year after as well (laughs) so (laughs) um but in that 2017 uh final um they beat um uh they won four to one beating juve um so that was a juventus with Pogba in it as well and um Carlos Tevez because Carlos Tevez then came to the um to Boca Juniors right after that so I paid he got paid yeah hey why not then stop getting paychecks (laughs) (laughs) got paid in pesos (laughs) got paid in bread and water (laughs) training gear all of a sudden he gets fresh training gear in his locker every day yeah yeah we're just paying you in training gear <laughs> new jersey new shirt every day if you wear um, it and sell it man people will buy it there you go <laughs> that's how you can make your salary <laughs> buy it just after you wear it, you're sitting outside of training outside of the training <laughs> camp you Carlos Tevez worn training jersey <laughs> <laughs> oh man that would be messed up if that's how somebody had to make their salary right that <laughs> we just have to like every day you have to sell your jersey you gotta sweat hard on that thing too you gotta work hard <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> you better hope you don't get a day where like it's pouring rain during training because no one's coming after that. Yeah. <laughs> no one's waiting on there in the rain. Like that Maradona jersey, man. Yeah, there you go. Imagine um, that thing was rain soaked. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So fair play of the week. Uh, my fair play of the week goes out to Kyle and the entire Discovery staff for doing a fantastic job this season. Um, I have the privilege to be able to to look at it from multiple levels, one of them being a parent and 
what they've done in the discovery program has been fantastic. So I'm, I'm very, very happy. So congratulations to you guys. Thank you. Uh, Dwayne. I'm going to give mine out to the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Um, they had two stars score that are Pennsylvania bred in the U, you know, uh, U.S. men's national team with Pulisic and Aronson. Um, and also they have three yeah, Philadelphia Union born and raised. I was going to say, like, he's from Jersey. And then they have three, they have three he's guys coming up in the U-20 U.S. national team pool. And uh, they're Philadelphia Union guys, uh, Jack and Glenn, Quinn Sullivan and Paxton Arrington. So Commonwealth of Pennsylvania putting putting players on the map. <laughs> Next week we're going to talk about under twenties, uh, big big international under twenty tournament going on right now. Yeah, my cousin got uh, selected in the pool too, Kobe. Huh? From California, Kobe Henry. Yeah. For what? The tournament's going on right now. The U.S. isn't in it. Oh well. Whatever <laughs> they got, whatever the U twenties thing they got going on. <laughs> um. All right, Kyle, you got a fair play of the week. Yeah, goes back a, a week and a half, maybe. Um, so mine goes out to the 08 girls team uh, for the uh, the uh, gesture they did for actually my daughter, Delaney, but just in general being good teammates. So, you know, obviously there's a personal core that it strikes with the fact that, you know, the gesture they did by wearing the pre-wrap was in recognition of my child, but just in general to think of that, um, it just goes to show that it, it goes so far beyond the soccer field. Right. Um, and, you know, the 08 team is a perfect scenario of, you know, overcoming adversity specifically this year. Again, I've been looking at it from like a mile high view, Sebastian, you've been in the trenches. Um, so I don't think this is the first or last time that they're, you know, have done something like this and it won't be the last time, but it just, you know, the, the camaraderie that they've developed, um, you know, just again, goes to show, you know, what we can get out of this beyond, uh, you know, results. Um, you know, they've had their moments, both good and bad, but um, I don't think they've wavered much in, you know, being there for each other. Um, and that was shown again, you know, over the last couple of weeks. And then obviously with more injuries, unfortunately, this past weekend, I'm sure that'll continue, but um, they just need to get healthy and, but continue to be great kids because they are. Yeah, 100%. I do that for 11 before practice. We do every practice, <laughs> and you also need to get Kyle some closer seats, man. Mile high view. <laughs> up to the team, you gotta get this guy some. Yeah, you gotta talk to somebody. Get him down into the lower level seats. Where are we? Where are we? Denver. <laughs> um. All right. Well, uh, Kyle, thanks for joining us this week. It was it was a, it was a blast to have you back again. Absolutely. We'll have to. I'm gonna carve out my schedule so I can jump on here more, but. I've okay. got to go make some signs for tomorrow. So it's <laughs> <laughs> a shout out you, man, Dwayne. <laughs> you got him working. He got him, fired. He got him, him working. That, that should have been his practice on yesterday. He didn't have practice yesterday. <laughs> he could have just done them signs. <laughs> Had the team come over and make signs. <laughs> See how many uh, different ways they can spell discovery. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front foot.